Hello, podcast listeners. This is Jared Pickney, and in today's episode, we bring back Max Bishop. For those who don't know, Max is a real-life ninja cowboy. Not only has he worked on the bomb squad for the president, he is undefeated in no-holds-bars MMA. He trains mules for a living and is currently trending on national news for rescuing a baby calf that was stranded on ice. In today's episode, Max talks about how he saved the calf, being a good neighbor, fighting, fear, pushing through pain, and so much more. With that, here's today's episode with Max Bishop. Tell him, though, real fast, who's Buford Pusser? You said you're a grandfather? Yeah. Walking Tall, the movie, Walking Tall. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, there's the new Walking Tall was with, like, Dwayne the Johnson Rock or whatever. I forgot he did that. Yeah, that's not it. It's not a good representation? No. What do they no. get? What do they get wrong? Everything. <laughs> but I the, have not seen the, that movie. But the original one is a good one. Okay. And that but, came out. But he was he was the sheriff cleaning up the town, carried a big stick, walked softly, carried a big stick. That was kind of his deal. But they also had uh, – a lot of dealings with they were the ones kind of actually running it was kind of like a redneck mafia kind of thing see that's what i was i'll be honest like i'm not real my dad just talked about it a lot and so i don't remember a ton about him other than like was it was it was it cricket at all or was it just okay there was yes okay Yeah. yeah they so when you say redneck mafia you literally mean like yeah redneck mafia yeah they you know they wanted to be the ones to control the whiskey and the stuff coming in and out, ah, what was going on. See, I didn't know that. More. So they were cleaning it up, but for themselves, kind of more, I guess. You'd say. And your grandfather, you yeah, said? Yeah, he run. He was a he was the sheriff's, like in Haywood County, and they were like the next county over or whatever. It'd be for Poster and so everybody. But anyways, but the, he, so my grandfather owned a bar down there. And like the bar ended up getting burned down and. It's a big, it's a bunch of stuff. You know. did, you ever, did your grandfather ever talk about that stuff, or it was like hush, well, he hush. died when I was pretty young? So, like, I have like really good memories. See, so he had he had three daughters, and uh, so I was the first one. So I was like the favorite because I was actually a <laughs> male, and uh, and so anyway, so I always hear about how bad he was and the stories and all that kind of stuff. But for me, you know, he was just the coolest guy ever. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. You said, but, yeah, uh, but everybody, my whole life growing up told me all the things that he did and stuff. I have, like, just a few memories of him that I thought were really cool. Um, other people would probably not think it's cool, but in my mind. So my brother's two years younger than me, and so I was probably, like, a six, and my brother was, like, four, and we were coming out of the top of the sheriff's office. And so you go – they had, like, three little jail cells up there. And as we're coming through the jail cell, and you go down a little fire escape kind of out the back down to where the police cars were – and so the guy, my grandfather's name was TJ, and they were, they were going, TJ, TJ. And he's just ignoring them, walking by. And the guy grabs my little brother, and he's going to hold my little brother. A guy that's like an inmate? Yeah, an inmate. He reaches through the bars, and he grabs the uh, grabs my little brother and pulls my little brother to get my granddaddy's attention. My granddaddy grabbed his arm and broke his arm through the oh, jail cell wow. doors, which was fine. But the funny thing was that I remember in my mind – he just picked up my little brother, and we just went down the stairs and got in the car and went and ate lunch with my <laughs> grandmother. That guy's in there with a the broken he arm. He didn't tell nobody. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't go and Was tell he, like, just in probably excruciating pain? Yeah. And he didn't say nothing to nobody. We just went and ate lunch, and he went on about his day and didn't say nothing. But you didn't talk to him about it after that and be like, Grandpa, I think that guy's arm's broke. 
Not really. I don't know how to explain, but like he had an aura of like, don't question him kind of thing about him. It's just like, this is how. Just what happened. Yeah. And he had a uh, German shepherd named Rommel. And, uh, and so anyways, they had this black cat would sit at the end of the chain. He could only come so far on this chain. And, um, this cat would just like sit in front of him and like lick himself. And I was real little. And so anyways, um, just aggravated me and so i went out there and i just unhooked that dog you know the chain and so it killed that cat and my <laughs> mom and then we're like oh my god and my grandfather thought it was so funny and i just remember him laughing he's like i think he goes that cat's been bothering me too you know it's like i got no trouble because you know he thought he you know he agreed with me that like don't taunt the dog you know yeah kind of deal if those animal rights people have left you alone. Now they're about to start emailing yeah. us again. Yeah. It started <laughs> they're giving like, say Max hates animals. Yeah. I, I love animals and stuff, but at the same time. Like, Obviously. It was, it was, it was yeah. constantly that this cat. I just remember sitting because yeah. our house was at the end of their driveway. So like my granddaddy's house, you go down the driveway. And like when you pull into our yard, it was the same driveway. It just split. And our little house was, at, you know, my mom's house mm-hmm. was at the end of the driveway. So I'd run away from home and. Go all the way to Granddaddy's house, which was you know fifty yards. Yeah. But I thought I was like doing a huge thing. I'm running to Granaways and stuff, and go over there. And he always always sided with me, so you know it was kind of cool. But, but anyway, so I remember. So me and Rommel, we kind of bonded over that kind of deal. Rommel was really happy with your decision. Yeah, yeah, and he was like a really aggressive police dog. But me and Rommel was we got kind of tight there, and um. And he liked, Rommel liked his middle daughter, which was my Aunt Caroline and stuff. They were real tight. And so anyways, I remember we were driving down the road, and there was some guys fighting on the side of the road. And uh, they were fighting. And so, but I'm in the car. Mm-hmm. And so we were going back again. He would take us home to, to my grandmother to cook dinner. We were, and so we're going through the back way there. And they're fighting on the side of the road. And he stops, and he opens the door. And he just sticks Rommel on him. And then he just, they broke up the fight and started running. He just called him back, jumped back in the car, shut Jeez. the door. Did he train that dog or did someone train the um, dog for him? No. Yeah, it was a police trained dog that it was his. But, yeah, he went to, I think, Atlanta and got it, you know, did the class or whatever kind of deal. It's but crazy what it those was dogs are able to learn. Yeah. It was, a, it was, a, yeah, it was pretty cool. But, like, the, it was just, I just remember, like, he, he didn't care enough to get out of the car. You know, <laughs> he just wanted to break up the fight. <laughs> Rom will get him. Yeah, he just like it was like I just remember thinking like he just wanted like it was just a good opportunity for training of the dog. And then when the when they all started running, he just called the dog back, jumped it in the car, and we just went and ate lunch. You know, it's a little I have just very few memories of things like that to where I was like, just don't get emotionally involved in anything too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that, I can see that. Did you is your dad basically just like your grandpa, or that was he a completely different human being? Well, they're so that's my mom's. Oh, um, that's your mom's, mom's dad. dad. Yeah, and so you know, my dad was kind of known to be like the tougher guy in town, and my grandfather was, and that's how they kind of met. And then my dad ended up marrying my mom. Okay, was your dad? Was he military? What was yeah, he? He's yeah, military, airborne, all that kind of stuff. Oh, he was. So you came by that part honestly, then. Yeah, yeah, but now oddly, his dad was really nice and kind, and like. Completely different type of person. Yeah, my two granddaddies were very, very opposite of each other. They got along good, but like completely opposite. Yeah, you. Um, whenever you told your story the first time you came on the podcast, welcome back, by the way. Yep. Um, it was like, oh, 
I, it makes perfect sense why you became a fighter. It's like that was just absolutely like in it's both not, sides yeah, of the family. Not, not really an option in my family. It was not an option. Yeah, some people, I guess, you know, they get into fighting and it's like they grew up complete opposite of that, but not you. Like it was natural for you. Yeah. I think it's just like different different families have different genetics. Some people, you know, some families are going to be really, really smart at stuff and some people are real, um, you know, just genetically bred to fight and cause problems, I guess. <laughs> was that you? I guess so. <laughs> you talking about cause problems? I, I tell you, here's here's a funny thing. So my my so there's three sisters from my grandfather. The youngest one, Aunt Sarah, is very different from the rest, and uh, she just randomly passed away this year, um, mm. and was really shocked. She was super in good shape, still mm. went always jogging every day, you know, every day, and uh, was in way better shape than I am actually. And uh, but anyway, so she's got three boys. The older one, he's still in the military now, and uh, so it'd be my first cousin. But now, when they moved to Florida, they grew up in Florida, didn't grow up around the rest of my family, not exposed to that. I only mm-hmm. see him at Christmas, you know what I mean? Like, and they we get along great; it's like super good. But and he's very similar. But like, he's never around the exposure that I had. Mm-hmm. So it's just genetics and only. And so they were um, while he's in the military a few years ago, and it's on his Facebook page actually. It's James Tyson on my friends list. Who wants to watch it? But anyway, so he's swimming in the ocean with some of his army buddies and stuff, and they've got a GoPro on, and they're trying to spearfish, and they're going to shoot a spearfish. Well, a shark comes up, and the shark comes and attacks at him and stuff, and he tells them, like, y'all go to shore, and he sends all his buddies back to shore, and he stands there, and like five times that shark tries to hit him, and he's on, with the GoPro on, and he stabs it in the nose with that spear gun. And so when everybody else gets on shore, like it never dawned on him to try to run where he's like, I got it, I'll handle it, I'll, I'll fight the shark, everybody else get away. <laughs> And so when he comes out of the water from the shark, when he gets the shark, kind of turns away and he gets he gets out. He's just laughing. He's like, "That was the coolest thing ever," you know, like like he's not. <laughs> People are like, "Yeah, that's not normal." Yeah, he was yeah. like, "That was the coolest thing ever," you know. And so like it's just genetically. Do you think it's an like? Do you do you get afraid of uh, like? Obviously, everyone has fear, but like like that just feel. I I don't know. Like I'm trying to get inside of like your mind and like even your family like you know some people most people are going to like naturally run from anything or anyone they think could physically harm them that's not is that was that ever in y'all no i don't think it is um sorry like if you go to if you also you can look on youtube and look at blake bishop that's my nephew he's a professional wakeboarder and uh so he's always on um he's he's been on tv quite a bit and he's got a bunch of stuff and he's got his own like little wakeboard deal and stuff and and so you'll see him do all these big crazy flips like he's going up these half pipes wherever and flipping and crashing and my brother said it's not that he's more talented at all than everybody else it's just that he's willing to crash to learn the tricks more than everybody else and he'll, he'll just put his body through more stuff yes. to see like how far can i go what you have to right in pretty much anything, whether it's yeah. like rodeo or wakeboarding yeah. or fighting, like you, you talked about this last time you were on here, of like you've everyone wants to be the hammer, nobody wants to be the nail, right? And you're like, if you're going to be a good fighter, you've got to be the nail. Got to be the nail. Got to be good at that too. I mean, what is that? I mean, so tell me, what what was that like for you? Like, does this physical pain not bother you? I don't think I don't think we feel it the same as regular people. Like so I just had my shoulder surgery three weeks ago. I tore my so I roped this cow and uh we needed to throw it down and doctor it and give it worm it, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh we was on a mule and the mule's supposed to be a really good mule, 
but the guy died, so we couldn't get really information. So his daughter, he paid 15000 for the mule, but it had been a couple of years since it's been rode, but she was like, it's a really good ranch mule, you know, dad, had, but he died, so now we can't ask the guy. We don't mm-hmm. know how long it's been since it's been rode because, you know, he was sick before he died. Mm-hmm. So they want to send it to me, tune it up, get it back in shape, go ahead and, you know, shoot some video, sell it, and, and uh, get the daughter the money, and then we get a percentage of it. And so, like, the first five cows I roped, he did great, did perfect, went right to it. Everything seemed legit. And um, so I roped this big steer, and it's a big longhorn, so it's got the big horns. And uh, this out at your place? Yeah. yeah. So, like, three – well, it's been four months now because okay. so it was a few weeks before they got me into surgery, so probably three and a half months ago. And so we have this uh, – so I roped this big longhorn steer, and I go to pull it. Everything's fine. And uh, Hayden, who works for me, he misses his heel shot because gotta, we got to stretch it out to be able to get it down. And uh, so I let him just build the loop. We let the cow sit still. Everything's fine. And uh, he's ready to rope again. I go to, I go to pull, the, pull the steer off the fence, and the mule flies in the buck and just flips out because he just kind of – he didn't stab my mule in the butternut. He just flipped his horns at him like this. But Ooh. the mule tried to go, and when he tried to run away from him, you know, he was tied to the steer. When he felt that pressure and he couldn't get away, he just loses his mind. And uh, so he goes flying into bucking. Well, as he's bucking, the coils come off the saddle horn, and I don't let go by instinct. I'm thinking I can try to pull it back on here, and so it ripped my bicep off my shoulder. <sighs> Once my bicep comes off, it snatches me down like and drives my shoulder in there, so my sh- the bone come out and was sitting down here in my pec. And so it tore my rotator <laughs> cuff completely out. And so anyways, we get all that settled down. I get back up on the, the mule, and, and I'm like, I I can't rope. I'm like, my arm's not working. And so anyway, so I get back <laughs> off and I, t- I wrap the rope around my wrist and uh, I got it around my other knee. And I, so I stomped it and I got the, I got the bone back where it's supposed to be. And I was like, all right. What did you just like push it back up? And no, like I wrapped. So I took a yeah. rope and wrapped around yeah. this wrist and then I stomped it with my leg. So it jerked it back into place. And so I'm like, okay, it was out of socket. We're good. But then it still wouldn't work. <laughs> And so I Is that the first time you've ever had your shoulder out of socket? No. Okay, no, so the, you were kind of familiar with what that was feeling like, yeah. Unfortunately, well, I did MMA, so you get caught in a chimera or something, we pop it back in. So unfortunately, <laughs> it was it was not it was already it was already in not good shape. And uh, but anyway, so so I knew how to put it back in because I'd done that before. But normally, when it pops back in, it'll be a little sore, but it'll go back to working. But it wasn't working. So I'm friends with Dr. Aaron Wallace at NEA. He's mm-hmm. an orthopedic surgeon. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of private lessons with me and stuff. And mm-hmm. really talented guy. And he, uh, he's really a good shot. He works with the SWAT team. He actually wow. goes in with the SWAT team in Jonesboro. So if one of them gets shot or something, he uh, can patch him up. So he's an interesting guy, too. Well, anyway, so I called Dr. Wallace. And I said, hey, I said, uh, my arm won't work. You know, I'm trying to, he says, that's probably mechanical. You need to come in. So we kind of bypassed going to your regular doctor, getting the record. Mm-hmm. So I just go down there, and he's like, "Oh, you've completely tore your shoulder out. It's bad. I got to do surgery." So they did. Uh, they had to put my bicep back on and shoulder and all that kind of deal. It wasn't something that like slowed you down though. Like as far as the pain, because what we're talking about is like you feel it different than most people. Like I think like if that would have happened to me, I'm like tapping out, going inside, laying on my couch. Like yeah. telling my wife, like hurry, see, like that's you know. How I see most people respond, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't see. I don't think. I think it must be different because I don't. And as far back as you can remember, it's that way. Yeah, I, yeah. Like even when you're a kid, you don't remember. Like, did you know that something was different? Like, was it obvious whenever you compared yourself to other kids? Like, yeah, like I respond to pain differently. I know you played football, 
Like, whenever you look back at things like that, are you like, yeah? Like, did you look at the people and be like, why are they so, like, squirmish? And, like, why are they quitting think, or tapping so quickly? Yeah, and things like I, that? Do think, I do think that. Because, I mean, I remember getting in a lot of fights that I felt like I was losing the fight, and then they would just wear out of beating me up, and then I would win. Because... <laughs> <laughs> They just got tired of beating me up, you know. Because you just kept getting up, kept coming. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, and then I would seem like I would have just not hit them that much, and they would start crying or quit or start bleeding. And I was like, it's different. So it's more like I just kind of got that thing. You just got to wait your turn, kind of deal. Yeah. I thought, oh, I can probably last longer than you can swing. So did you did you handy. decide yourself to go into MMA or did some it's like your no there wasn't no MMA in? when I started and stuff we oh, were, okay. I, we, I, we kind of founded that in Arkansas we called it no holds barred back then we just back then when we first started doing that it was more like um um this style thinks they can beat up that style and that style thinks they can beat up that style and then over the years of all the styles fighting each other they started blending together yes going and so that's what you even saw in the early days of ufc right like whenever yeah, like we the were, very first we, ufc that was yeah. what you're talking about we correct? were doing that stuff way before the ufc come around when you say we like who would that have been um like you and well, i mean i've been friends with the gracie since like 91 so See, i didn't know y'all went back that far how'd you get connected with him well when they would come over that's what they were doing was going around wanting to fight everybody and stuff so we ended up bonding over that you know, so. when did you first meet them 91 and where where were you at in California? Oh, hell, I brought them to Paragold in '92. Really? Yeah. That far back? Yeah. Do you when know? When Enzo first come here, he couldn't speak English. We had him in Paragold. He couldn't speak and English. I guess at that point, they weren't like as far as they weren't world renowned, right? Like they were obviously very. Right. Everyone were, knew them in your world, right? But the world at large, yeah, like, the, the guy they, like me yeah, had were, no idea they who they were. were. Yeah, they were like pre UFC. And stuff, but they were like, um, they were like still like on magazine, like Black Belt magazine or something. Like, if you were yes. in any of that, they were all in that magazine challenging everybody. And they were the best, the and best we in your world. Under, we were under Gene LaBelle, and they were like wanting to challenge Gene LaBelle and stuff like that. Not all of them, but like specifically Hoist's older brother, you know, and stuff. And so, they, and that was just jujitsu, right? That wasn't striking and all that, correct? Well, they let you strike, you could do whatever you wanted. Really? To do. Yeah, you could. They didn't do it, but. Well, they did. They would take you down and get you in mount position, and then they would start beating you in your face. And then if you stuck your arms up to block, they'd arm bar you. And if you rolled yeah. over, they'd choke you. That was basically. So they would tell someone like you, yeah, you can come at me. You can do kick and punch and do whatever you want. Yeah. They did to Chuck Norris. There's video of it. They, uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was Hickson, but one of them, they let Chuck Norris do whatever he wanted to do. And uh, they just, he just took him down and choked him. They like were that good. Else. Oh, yeah. They're still that good. But it's just now. You've got MMA where people put their grappling and the striking. But if you're just a striker, I don't care how good a just a striker you are, once you they get you in the clinch. You're not getting out. You're not you're, you're done. If you don't have any wrestling and grappling skills, you're done. Now if you knock them out before they grab you, then there's that. But th- see the thing is back then, this is when you're going way back, but you're talking about like in the eighties and the nineties, they were specifically training grappling to fight strikers. So like they had the I'm gonna do this little kick and stop your hips and I'm gonna put my hands up and shield, I'm gonna get you in a clinic shake. But the strikers were not tra- training for grapplers, strikers was ah, training for strikers. So they were just falling right into their trap. Mm, yeah. So yeah, walked in. And there. now they train for that, right? Like if you're a striker and in, in MMA now, they're like, Hey, look, here's what they're gonna try to do. Right. So like boxing's good. And you need to know boxing. That's one of the sports, you know. But, like, in boxing, like, you can weave low and come across your opponent's belly. That's going to get you kneed in the face by the tie guys. It's going to get you guillotined by the, the – so so you can box, 
but you can't do the things you can do. Like in boxing, you can lean your head way back and have your hips, your your uh, head way past the back of your hips, but that's going to 100% get you taken down. So there's certain things from the box. You take certain things from boxing, but certain things in boxing that are really good in boxing really suck in MMA or a real fight. You know, so so much more going on than what meets yeah, the eye, and that was not happening back then. So this is so it just evolved, but now everybody's way more well rounded. And you're going to have, I mean, now you you got to do boxing, you've got to do Muay Thai, you've got to do wrestling, and wrestling's always going to be the king of the of all of it. Really? Um, yeah. Why is that? Because you get to pick the home playing field. So if the guy, so the whoever's the better wrestler gets to decide decide is this going to be a stand up fight or is this going to be a ground fight? Huh. So if the guy's a really good striker, like so you take Chuck Liddell, he was very successful in the early mm-hmm. days, but you know, eventually he got to where he couldn't take a shot or whatever. But in the early days, his striking was really mm-hmm. hard and everybody's like, oh, well. but the thing was he was like a, a California state champion wrestler. See, I didn't know that. So he used his wrestling not to get taken down. Wow. So they could so then he could stand there and so land the shot. So he shots. decided we're gonna stand up. So whoever's whoever's got the best wrestling gets to choose whether it's gonna be up or down. And that's that's a huge advantage. So you gotta have good wrestling. And you don't have to be a good wrestler necessarily. You have to be good at – so, like, if you're better at wrestling and you like Chuck Liddell was and you don't want to go down, yeah, you're still using wrestling. You don't have to be wrestling on the ground. You can just use your wrestling not to get taken down. Is that why everyone's so excited about this Bo Nichols guy? Have you kept up with him at all? Mm-hmm. He's in UFC. And, uh, matter of fact, he was just on Joe Rogan podcast recently. But he was uh, – I mean, he's like a world-class wrestler. I mean, mm-hmm. born and raised in America. Anyways, he was a national champion. And then he's like – pretty sure he's been like – he's an Olympian. But he can, he can do all of it. But wrestling is kind of the foundation. Like, is that what you're saying? That Like, that's where it all starts at? Or would you say more like Brazilian jiu-jitsu is typically a better that's, foundation? That's, you, that's where you can finish it. Because then you get a wrestler like Ben Askren, who they didn't want in the UFC – because he was a better wrestler, but he just held everybody down and then barely did anything to him, and so it was boring. Like, yeah. He's going to win, but it's going to be boring. So you got to finish them once you get them down. Now, now once you get them down, you got to have the – if you're going to be a wrestler and you're going to get them down, you have to have a really good ground and pound where you can knock them out. And it seems simple, but it's, it's easy to do ground and pound for a wrestler um, and win on points. It's hard to knock somebody out. Um, if they're just kind of holding you tight and you've got to hold them tight and they're wrestling because you're just arm punching them and then your arms kind of wear down and you, you look mm-hmm. like you're hitting them hard, but you're not really hitting them that yeah. hard. That so, blood starts flowing into the arms. Because if you look at like a great puncher like Mike Tyson, he's hitting you with your le- his legs and his hips and, it's, and his arms hardly even leave his body. So once you're on the ground, you lose all that. You lose your legs, your power from your legs. That's where all the power comes from. Yeah, that's why you see a lot of the better ground and pound things where they're inside the guy's guard where they still got their legs underneath them and they can crack the guy in the head or something, you know, and you get those cool knockout shots like that. But once, if you're actually like chest to chest on the ground holding the guy down and you see him welling on them, that's all they're doing, they're welling on them. There's no body weight behind it. There's no legs. There's no hips. So you end up winning on points, and people people really want to see a knockout or a submission. What was your greatest strength back then when you were kind of in your prime? Was it the jiu-jitsu? Was it wrestling? Was it striking? No, what was, I think that was my thing was that I was one of the earlier people that kind of could do it all. You were well-rounded. So, like, if you were a really good wrestler and you got me down, then I could use jiu-jitsu to submit you. And then if you were a good, good jiu-jitsu guy, I, you probably couldn't take me down because I was a better wrestler, and then I would – knock you out standing up and if you're a really good boxer then i could wrestle you down and get you an ankle lock i think i was smarter and like 
than most people and stuff. So I would just adjust and go to whatever your weakest area was. So where were you fighting back then? Like, was it just like little shows and little towns? Like, yeah, you know, just back then it was like mostly just like I said, we'd go from dojo to dojo. Like it was kind of uh, dojo storming was kind of the cool thing to do back then. And dojo storming, yeah, that's what we called it. <laughs> Sounds like a good documentary. It time. really does. It was fun. You just then. show up at somebody else's dojo and be like, all right, here we are. And, and we had to, we called it the Bad Boys Club. That's what we called it, and because they were all, they, we'd be like, in, yeah, anyways, it's not. A were good you thing. living here in Arkansas then? Yeah. Why do you think all of this is taken off? Like, especially like the, the MMA, like people like me watch it. Like, it's a, I mean, it's probably way bigger than you ever imagined it would be. Oh, for sure. Like, why do you think people are so interested in it now? I mean, millions and millions of people are watching this, like around the world. Well, it's a, um, what do you think? I fighting guess, is yeah. the truest expression of oneself. Like, it is truly, there is no clear communication between people, you know, huh. where you're expressing, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's clear. That's why you'll see two guys uh, fight each other. And if you see, okay, so this guy fights this guy, and they go out, and the guy swings, this guy ducks, and he knocks that guy out. He just goes back to his corner, and he's hanging out with his buddies, and there's nothing. And you see two guys, they fight, and they fight five rounds, and it's back and forth and back and forth, and this guy's winning this round, and this guy's winning this round, and it's a war. They almost always are hugging at the end of the fight. True. Because they because it's cool for spectators to watch, but for the people that are doing it, you you're really doing it for yourself and not for the other guy. And the other guy's not really your enemy. And people at an elite level, you start realizing that that other guy is there. He is the most similar to you as anybody else on the planet. He is your brother from another side. But at the same time, that's the guy that made you train. That's the guy that pushed you. That's the one that got you to that elite level. And so you do want to beat them. But it took your desire to beat him and his, and knowing that he had the same desire to beat you to make you become the best you that you could possibly be. So at that point, when you know he pushed you to your absolute limit, and then further than you knew that you could go, then you you, you they end up hugging each other because you're like, man, you took me to a level that I didn't know I could get to. And I think that's what the fighters are there for, the ones that yeah. keep going and keep doing it, or whatever. And uh, and the same thing when you start coaching, when you see your fighter and you know how he came to you originally, and then when you see him push himself into a new person, that's what yeah. makes you proud. It's not really like who won the fight. It's not it – become, it almost becomes irrelevant other than for your paycheck. But, but um, Do you feel like the – like mixed martial arts, like so you obviously you used to have your own – I don't know, what, what did you even call it, a dojo? I don't guess. Yeah. But you're – you know, you used to train kids. Do you still think that that's something that – because we've, with my wife and I talked about this even with our boys. Like, is it still something that you think is good to put kids kids into? And not for the sake of necessarily a fighting, but I've heard a lot of talk around like character formation, like helping people learn grit, helping people learn humility. Yeah, but it is, but it's not. I mean, it is if you do real martial arts, like if you're doing jujitsu or something, because you're on a mat and you're going and you're going to get humbled. I don't care who you are, you're going to get humbled. Um, because, like, so, let's say you're the. Let's say, I could, let's say I went into a gym and I was the best fighter in the gym. Mm -hmm. They're just going to line up 10 guys. And you're going to go – you're just going to go with a fresh one every three minutes until they, so they start beating you. Uh, you mean, you can, you're going to stay on the mat, you mean? You're going to stay on – and they're going to rotate. You know, like we had Travis Adams. He runs a tent company here in town. And he would he could out-wrestle and grapple everybody. We just send like 10 of them in there, you know what I mean? And just like one at a time. And he Eventually, just, he's going to be wore out. Yeah, you just go into a wear out and push and stuff. Because like I said, that's, 
it's not you're not if you just go in there and you just win every match and you're in, in the gym easily you ain't got any better you know what i mean so you're just gonna go and you're just gonna they're just gonna push you and push you i mean that's the thing is you let your friends beat you up so nobody else can you know but that's the goal is to um, is to get yourself to a higher level so I, they're not doing that in these traditional little taekwondo classes or okay. something it's not that's you're not nobody's being pushed but you know you put your kid in there where they're coming out there sweating and testing and and it's hard, and they fail, and then they have to push yourselves to succeed. Well, then they're going to learn something, you know? Yeah, putting people in situations, I think that's what appeals to me about it as a parent, like with my own boys, is putting them in positions that intentionally require them to develop grit, that that put them in positions where they're going to have to fail and learn from that and persevere, because I feel like that's so much of life in general. Like, I feel there's a lot of just hardship you're constantly facing. There's always... You're gonna fail at something, you know, and it's my brother's if, calling if you, me. Your brother is? Yeah, he never calls me. You better get it. No, it'll be fun. Are you sure? I'll ask you. Yeah, bring it, bring Hello. me in the podcast. Hey, hang on a second. You're on a podcast, by the way. <laughs> I said my brother never calls me. Let's see what's up. Can you hear me? No, are you on a, yeah, yeah, you're on a podcast right now. Yeah, yeah. So are you? Hi. <laughs> uh, <I>. hey. <laughs> what's up? <laughs> That's pretty cool. I didn't even know you did a podcast. Yeah, well, I'm on somebody else's podcast. They're they're interviewing me, but I was like, I was making sure. I was telling them about. Uh, I was telling them about like uh, they were talking about us like not feeling like normal pain and stuff like normal people. And I was telling them how how with Blake, all this stuff he did with the wakeboarding and everything, it's like he just can take more abuse while he's learning the tricks, and everybody else is you know all his friends ain't willing to get hurt that bad to learn it. You know. You know? Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I gotta tell you a crazy story that happened. All right. Uh, this was January fifth. So we've Pierce went out to Colorado uh, earlier, like a week earlier than Blake and I, and, we, and then like we we're like, damn, we want to go too. So we jumped on a plane on a Wednesday and flew out to uh, Breckenridge. So flew into Eagle Pell, went over to Breckenridge where Pierce was, and went out to Mexican that night or whatever. And I got the um, I got uh, elevation sick in the middle of the night and got up to pee and passed out <laughs> fell and hit my head and busted my head from the front to the back and knocked out seven teeth all at the same time oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my yeah yeah so then blake had to, he'd been out partying when he's got a buddy that lives there so they had been out drinking to like three in the morning and he comes home and then falls asleep and then I woke him up freaking saying call 911 because my face has exploded, basically. <laughs> so him in a panic decides that he's got to run down to the front desk to get help and takes off without his phone or a card to get back in the elevator to get in and goes downstairs and nobody's down there. And he didn't have a phone and he didn't have a card to get back up the elevator to get back up to the room to me. So he had to break into the lobby, jump the desk, and broke into the lobby basically, and and called nine one one off the, the 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 phone, which at the same time I'd already called nine one one. But then he was just like running around with a, his chicken with his head cut off. Needless to say, it he had to go to the emergency room with me, and then and then uh, I got out of the emergency room at five thirty in the morning, and then called a plane. I was at basically catching an emergency flight back to Atlanta have my teeth fixed the next morning so within 24 hours i was all the way to colorado and back yep. with two surgeries and, and, and back skin yeah 
<laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. But yeah, that. And so, but but the split in my head was so long. They're like, we can't numb your whole head. So they when they put staples in my head, some of them were numb, and then about half of them were not numb. <laughs> that's hilarious. So, but I was like, I mean, at that point, I just felt like a dumbass. I was like, all right, whatever, just freaking staple it up. It is what it is. I got to tell you this. So me and my my brother, we're we're close now. We're not always been close. I was a little bit mean to my little brother. Surely um, not. Yeah, a little bit. And so, anyways, um, I was just trying to make him tough, but I succeeded. He's really tough, but I succeeded. I took that as my personal challenge. But anyway, so we went like ten years, didn't hardly talk to each other or anything. So he has this the older kid Blake, <laughs> and so I've not met Blake. It was it was like ten when I met him, right? First time. Like, yeah. yeah, so anyway, so he's a he's a really good baseball player. So they're on this travel league going all over the country. So they're in Memphis. And so I get on my motorcycle and I drive down there. Like my brother don't know I'm coming. My mom's like, they're gonna be down there. So I go down there and I find them, you know, of course they got Bishop on the back of their names, you know, on the thing. So my brother's the coach. And uh and so Blake, I can figure out which one he is because he has his name, he's the pitcher. And so anyway, so I hang out with children, we we go out to eat. And so this this other kid was like the it was like the other coach's son or something. Anyway, he's aggravating. Yeah, he's aggravating. He's aggravating Blake. And he's and I was like, well. So anyway, so Brandon's up there talking, minding his own business. Just have, my brother's really nice. He's not like me. He's really nice, very social. <laughs> and uh, he's also like a multimillionaire. He's like I'm the only failure in my family. My brother is massively rich, and so <laughs> flies around his planes and shit. But anyways. Um, so, anyways, I'm like sitting there. And I'm like, "Why are you letting that kid do?" He goes, That's, "My dad won't let me." Do. I said, oh, "Enough, enough." So he just hits this kid, drops. During the game? No, no, no. This is after the game. Okay. Eating this is in front of a restaurant. They're we we're waiting in line for this restaurant for to get in with this whole ba- baseball team, you know. Deal. Your this brother's is, like Max. That's why we don't run. We don't right, you right. around. But the funny thing was, is like me and Blake, we bonded over this because because like I did, I, I did my mind instigated to get him to hit the other. He drops his kid in the flower bed, you know. And so Brandon's like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "I didn't hit him that hard." And I was like, "Oh my god!" It was exactly the same response I would have had to my dad. It's like I didn't hit him that hard. It was like the kids like flopping in the flower bush over there. Brandon's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, it's hilarious. good family memories. Dude, I don't know if you remember this, but you taught him how to do an arm bar that weekend. Yeah. And then after that, he just basically destroyed everybody in the neighborhood. It <laughs> Thanks, Uncle Max. <laughs> that trick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He'd always want to be like, you want to wrestle? I'm fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's hilarious. But anyways. All right, man. I was making sure nothing bad had happened in the family or nothing. So that's why I answered it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all good. Okay, well, call me when you can. All right, brother. See you. Tell me how to get on the podcast, too. I'm I'm going to watch podcasts. Yeah. Have you seen any news lately with the cowboy roping the calf off the frozen pond by any chance? It's on every freaking news channel. That's me, by the way. It went viral. I got over a billion views I, in a day. I, I saw I saw that you had it, but I didn't know how to get onto the news channel. Yeah, it's like, I saw, hey, I'm going to be on Channel 8 or whatever. I was on I Fox was like, and Friends you know, yesterday morning out of New York and stuff, the National. And it's a, yeah. So I guess, can I Google Max Bishop and look it up? Yeah, but if you just do, uh, I think Cowboy Saves Calf Off Frozen Pond, it comes up quicker. Okay, I'll do that. Yep. All right, bro. See you. All right, see you. 
Yeah. So what a he, what a great he, little interruption. Yeah. As soon as he told me, like he got all his teeth, seven teeth knocked out in his head split, I was like, he'll be back on the mountain within a day. So, I'm so yeah. glad that he called because sometimes you know you the first time you came on the podcast, you were telling all these stories, and some and I can't tell you how many times people would come up to me and be like, do you think all of those are true? And I was like, I really think they are. And it's like, it's, it's, not a great, really, it's, it's not really a good thing. Like, well, I'm it's not, stranger. It's like that one thing, like truth is stranger than fiction. You know, and it's like in your life really is like a movie. It's so bizarre. But let's talk about the calf thing for a second. Since you just brought it up with your brother. Um, here's the first thing I thought whenever I saw that is in our first podcast, you talked about how people who don't know you very well, who know you from afar, hate you. Mm-hmm. And the closer they get to you, the more they like you. And I loved what John Lane said. Uh, in that video, and and it's incredible. I want you to tell the story, but but after you end up rescuing this calf, John Lane made the comment. He said, "If you ever want to know what a good neighbor is like, here's one right here, Max Bishop. That guy's a good neighbor." Um, and and I, I just thought about like your comment originally, like, "Yeah, the closer you are to people, the more they're like this is a good dude, man. Like he's helpful. He's a great neighbor, which is a fantastic compliment." But tell people, love to go watch the video. It'll be even better. But how'd that come about again? Okay, so. Um, for one, John and Kyle Lane are super good people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They, and so they're they're wealthy people, and most wealthy people do not want you on their property or their land or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? So I just ride through their stuff. I go through their pastures, their stuff. As a matter of fact, um, Kyle has a really good stand set up that's right off Scatter Creek, and he's like, if you want to take your daughter over there, mm-hmm. shoot a deer. No, most most people that have money do not want you in their damn yep. deer stand. Yep. You know? And he's like, he don't care. I can call and say, has anybody hunting in your stand? And he's like, no, I'll go ahead. So you have to understand, like, I already know them. Sure. And, and they have no reason to be, they have no reason to be nice to me. Mm. And they always are. Mm. And I've also heard stories from people that work with them in there um, at their at their business where, like, one time um, uh, John sees this, like, lady doesn't have good tires on her car and, like, called and had some come put tires on the car. Didn't even tell the lady who did it, you know. So... Like they're good people. Yes. So if you're if they're good people, uh, they're gonna, so a couple times he's needed help with his cows or something. He's got another farm not here in Paragol, but it's like a twenty two hundred acre farm up in kind of towards more towards Missouri. And so we'll go out there and help them round up round up their cows and doctor them and rope them or whatever we're gonna do. So anyway, so Kyle calls me up, and uh, and another thing too is like Kyle has a convertible Lamborghini, mm-hmm. you know, and like he comes by and like he waves at us and and talks to us or he'll come down there. You know what I mean? Like he's he does not act stuck up. Yeah. And he has every right to sure. if he wanted to. Sure. So you have to understand that too. So um so like we have clients or customers down there and there's a guy with a Lamborghini saying hi, you know, and that's kind of cool too. Yeah. Right? And we're like out in the road and we've taken pictures with the Lamborghini on wheels <laughs> and stuff. So anyways, um so Kyle calls me up and he's like, Hey, I've got this calf stuck out on this frozen pond. Can you go get it? And so so yeah, so it's like I would have done it for any neighbor, but you have to understand those people are also very good neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, they let me go through their property. It's like just shut the gate. Yeah, you know, as long if you want to go through the pasture, do that. But shut the gate and yep. good. And they have no reason to have to do that. So they were doing that long before this happened. So so they're also very good neighbors. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, this calf is out on this frozen pond and everything, and um, it's like seventy feet out. So I've got some ranch ropes, and they're like seventy five feet long and stuff. So we were able to get out there but anyway so his worker caleb i think is his name we i met at uh, kyle's house and then i followed him out there to the pond and uh, we jumped in caleb's truck and we just run up on the levee and then we run down there and got an angle on it but the rope wasn't long enough to reach it from shore so i had to walk out in the water about eight feet in the water 
And uh, you just wearing waders and walked out there? No, I had on my cowboy boots. It was pretty cold. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I had to go out there in the water and uh, get where the rope could actually reach and just stand in the water about calf deep. And so my feet were just getting numb, my hands were getting numb, and uh, and uh, get it roped and then uh, drag it off the ice because its body heat was actually melting through the ice. You could see where it had been, and we're trying to get up where there's a hole in the ice where it's, it, was just, it was literally just not very long from just going through so if it had been a bigger calf it would have went through for sure but it's just like a 10 day old calf so it's probably a 40 45 pound calf you know it's incredible but have you seen it chris oh yeah yeah you, yeah, you sent it to us in text and i watched yeah. it it's like man max bishop he really is a, a real life cowboy man you know I, and i think there's a lots of people that are a lot better ropers than me for sure and if you see some of those mexican guys rope it's hard to wrap their brains around even how they throw some of them loops and stuff so like i look up to those guys so i'm glad that i can rope but there's definitely people that can rope better and uh and i think most anybody that was a real cowboy would have done that for their neighbors it's more and if you go out to the ranches out there they're more prone to help their neighbors than we are around here because the ranchers are so big, and then there's not a big population that everybody's like, well, next Thursday we're doing our branding, and everybody goes and helps. And then next Friday is so-and-so's ranch is branding, and everybody goes to that ranch. And so that's more of their culture. And so I've been exposed to that, and I appreciate that, and yeah. I like that. Is um, that one of the things you enjoy the most about just that right. yeah. that culture? Mm-hmm. They're, they're very helpful and, and nice. But I think what why I, I, my belief is that went viral is not from a cowboy or from roping or the good shot. It's just – People are wanting to see some kind of positive news where somebody just went and did something nice yes. for no reason at all. And Kyle being Kyle, he's like, man, what I owe you? I'm like, I mean, I don't need no money. I don't want any money for this or whatever. But, you know, because you, you, if, if, you, if you go down the road, like you, you yourself, and there's a guy on the side of the road or a lady on the side of the road, and they got a flat tire, and you get out and you fix this flat tire for them. And he goes, well, let me give you 20 bucks. If you take the 20 bucks, you, you sold that feeling. Mm-hmm. That's not your feeling anymore. Mm-hmm. Now you did a job. Mm-hmm. If you tell them, no, I don't, I don't want any money, and they leave, then you, then you own that feeling. How, you, you, for no reason, pulled over and helped that guy. For no reason, no expectations, then you, that's your feeling, and you're good, and you're going to feel good about yourself all day. Yeah. If you take that $20, yeah. you just did a job. How long have you had that mindset? Because, you know, it seems like – it seemed, I think, not to me, but I think to a lot of people who would, you know, hear the first part of this podcast and they hear about fighting and, you know, uh, telling a nephew, like, hey, you don't think you crap off this guy, you know, punch him, whatever. And then, but then there's this other part of you that's, dude, I want to go and help my neighbor and for not do it for money, like, but I just want to be a good neighbor, like, help others out. And that's one of the things I love about this cowboy culture is there's a community and we help one another out, like, do those things, has that been, do, do those things come together? Can they still be married together? Or yeah. is it like you've had a big shift over the years to where you've gone from like That's how max- all real warriors are. Everybody. I think that's genetically, I think, I think it's, you, even like, you, I mean, you do the preaching thing yeah. in the Bible. Yeah. God's favorite people were the toughest ones. It was not the <laughs> weak, wimpy ones. Mm-hmm. I think the people that are the, <clears throat> and, and I've heard other people say it in different ways, but it is just, it is just a fact in reality. If you're docile because you cannot do anything, you're not a good person. You're just a weak person, and so you're just getting along. You can only be a good person and a nice person if you have the ability to take whatever you want, do whatever you want, and hurt whoever you want, and you choose not to just because you just choose not to. Then you're a good person. Yeah, there's a different type of weakness that you're talking about and the fact that it's like 
because I know because we've had this conversation before. You're looking at your Moses, your Samsons, your Peters of the world. Those guys had weakness, but not. It sure didn't seem to be like a uh, physical. Like they were fighters. Mm-hmm. You know, like he said, Moses murdered someone. Samson, we know, murdered a lot of people. You know, mm-hmm. like tied foxes' tails together and set them on fire. And mm-hmm. but you know, like yeah, there is this element of. And it's interesting, you're the one that kind of brought that to my attention first. <laughs> we talked about before just your own faith, and you're like, yeah, kind of here's where I am. Like, I, I feel like I'm kind of in the position that I'm the kind of guy that God wants to use, you know, yeah, whenever I read the Bible. Yeah. So you, have to, you know, and, and my friends, I've got most of my friends are very tough, whether they're cowboy tough or MMA tough. I have a lot of, a lot of tough friends. And uh, you think about um, uh, King David, and he was talking about in his – the well, the water in the well in his hometown was so good, and it's the best water ever. And his buddies are listening to him, and it was an occupied town, and they just went and got the water out of the well and just fought their way into it just to get a thing of water because they had nothing else better to do that day. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just like hey. a lot of fighting. Yeah, they're like, hey, you know what? This was a, let's go get him some water. Yeah, and just fought their way into town to get some water. It's just you know, that's that's the kind of friends to have. You know. What I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I see that. That's what you're saying of like, yeah, there's this warrior mentality of, and I guess even like when I hear, I've heard your stories now, several of them, and I'm, I feel like I've barely scratched the surface in your life, but it didn't seem like you were the kind of guy that just went and tried to pick on people smaller than oh, you no, and like, sure, never. and just like, I'm just here to make your life a living hell, just so I can make myself feel better about myself. You know, it's like, you're fighting... I think for you, it seems like was either tied to the sport aspect of it, the competitiveness of it, the uh, the probably even the relationship aspect of it, like you said, like you're hugging at the end of it, but then also the the taking care of the little guy, helping mm-hmm. those. You know, it seemed like I remember from some of your early stories on, it was like you began to be one of those guys. That, yeah, you were a fighter, but a lot of times your fights were around like somebody was picking on somebody else. Am I th- am I thinking of that correctly? Yeah, yeah. I try like if somebody was bullying somebody, I just try to put myself in a position where they try to bully me, and it wouldn't work out. And it's good for them, you know. Yeah. Like, I was real small. I grew seven inches my senior year. I was very, I grew five inches in my legs. I would lay in bed just screaming. Felt like my legs mm. were growing so. Long. If you look at my body structure, if I st- like if I stand up beside you, my legs are as long as most people that are six two to six four, and then my upper body, my torso, is the same size as like my wife, who's five foot tall. <laughs> Like I have no, but it's handy because I have a long arms, long legs, and then no target area. So, you know what I mean? Like my, so like if I, if I do a shield with my hands, my elbow goes from the, my cheekbone to my hip bone. See, like it's crazy, you know, so. Goes to your advantage for if, sure. If my upper body had grown, I'd have been actually big. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but so my legs and stuff grew, but, um, but yeah, so I was up until my junior year, I was the littlest kid in class. You know, I never was a big guy. I got big. Late in life, you know. Yeah. Well, it's uh, I'm not super big now, but I'm like 220, so I'm not a little. Yeah, you're person. you're really big compared to me, which is not saying much, but right. you know. I, but anyway, I, well, let me let me circle back. I'm going to circle back to one thing we you talked about earlier. I'm going to finish that up real quick, and then I'm going to come back to this yeah. fighting thing. Yeah. Because I almost got in a fight this weekend. Oh man. It's kind of it's kind of I'm going to and I'm going to try to get around it to where we don't get in trouble. Okay. But I'm going to give you an example because it didn't it ended up not, but it almost got really really bad it was okay. here in town. But anyways. Um, so you're talking about the pain thing and I was just talking about, we kind of got off subject and stuff. So anyways, so goes through and you have to go to therapy. So when I go to, so I I, I made the therapy one day and so I go there, 
was supposed to have my arm like in a sling like this for like, I don't know, it was a couple months or something. I made it two weeks and I was like, I have, I'll go broke. I have to ride these mules. I have to do what I'm doing. I can't for two months with my overhead. I, I can't, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's uh, without being bankrupt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not possible. It's not an option. So I just threw the sling away and went to back to work. And, um, and so when we go to the therapy, they wanted me to um, hold a towel in my hand, and squeeze it for two seconds, 30 times in a row. And I'm like, I ride, I pull the reins all day. So I'm like, really? This what you want? And so anyway, they would not let me take my fingertips and touch my shoulder. They wanted me to lay my arm flat on there. And they're like, well, you can't do that because you tore your bicep off. I said, Dr. Wallace, put like pins and Kevlar. It's like it's not going nowhere now. You know, it's we're good, right? And they're like, well, you can't do that. And then they're like, they didn't want me to lift my arm up past 90 degrees because, look at it. I'm like, but I, I can already do it. I'm already lifting it like this, you know. And uh, so anyways, they they were like, they wanted me to do my hand like this. And, and I was like, really? So I called Dr. Wallace, and I'm like, man, you got to tell him to let me do more or I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm. And so he called him, and he goes, he's not going to need therapy. He'll be fine. <laughs> So I made one day. So I, I hear all these other people. They're like, "Man, I went to physical therapy, and it's so hard. And shoulder recovery is so bad, you know." And like, so three months in, you can start doing the therapy after the surgery. Three months and like three days is when I roped the calf at seventy feet. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't think so. I don't. Maybe think, you're I just like the Wolverine, man. You got these like superpowers that heal you. No, <laughs> I don't think so. I think it hurts as bad as everybody else's. I think I just do my job anyway. Like my arm is really sore, and that's what I told them. They're like, "Well, how's your? How did you throw that throw?" I said, "Well, it feels like somebody has an ice pick stuck through the top of my shoulder. It just I tell my arm to throw the rope, and it just does it. And I think most people just don't throw it. I think that's the difference. Is like, like, but I feel like I have an ice pick stuck through the top of my shoulder." Jeez. I just tell it to lift and I tell it to throw and I just ignored the fact that there's an ice pick stuck in it and I just don't think they ignored the fact that it's so Do you have thoughts like, Okay, that sucks, that hurts. Yes. But it's probably not gonna get any worse. But that's that's the pain. Well, I called Doctor Wallace. I go, Is it gonna come apart? He goes, No, if you can take the pain, it'll hold up. Yeah. Ah. He saw he said, No, you he said three he goes he he kept saying, Don't do don't do that, you know. But how much at, do you at, think at your three pain months, is? He was like, I don't know. I mean, I think I feel, I think I register like everybody else. I'm like, I guess this do is. Do you think it's mind over matter, though? Like this yeah, idea it of just is. like. It's mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. If you don't mind, it don't matter. You know. But, uh, Does that relate to your running at all? This guy runs yeah. like a madman. And yeah. so it's like. I mean, I went on a run Saturday and it was negative five windshield. Right. And my hands are hurting, but eventually it was fine. Well, in running, and uh, and I hate to run, and I sure I'm not going running with you. But <laughs> but when I was in the army, you had no choice. And so, as you're running for however far they're going to make you run that day, there is a time when you want to quit, want to quit, want to quit, and then all of a sudden it's fine. Yeah, and you can just then just you can going. just keep going. Yeah, you just got to break through that that wall. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just. Like now, you know, you can, you know, yeah. for a fact, you're going to break through that wall and it's going to be fine. Yeah. But if I'm doing it, I don't know that I'm coming through that wall. I'm thinking it's just going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And so I just go quit. I'm not doing it. I ain't running no further. Yep. You know, yep. but once you know, like, you know, you know for sure, I'm going to get through it. I'm going to be fine. Well, it's the same thing with me. Like, I like, I know that's going to hurt, but there's an end to how bad it's going to hurt. And then you're either going to black out or it's, or is it going to be fine? <laughs> it won't get no worse. 
This is it. It's a totally different mindset than probably 95% of the world has. Yeah. And I think that's just genetics, though. I just think that's how people either they are. Or they I think ain't. it's a lot of uh, nature, and there's some nurture in there, too. It's like we talked about with the coffee, right? It's like when I wake up, you know, my dad's going to have black coffee, and we're going to, you know, it's not going to be just sitting around, right? you know, cuddling. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, don't, I don't know about You grew up, and you were, you were conditioned. To yeah. be tough. But like you said, yeah, you look at these people didn't even grow up necessarily in the same household as you. or yeah, James's yeah, yeah. mom's like, you know, my Aunt Sarah, she's like a little kind of almost hippie, smoke dope, you know, kind of chill out. Yeah. She's a school teacher and just free loving, dancing. Right? And he was not exposing you to that. And he's going, like, I'm fight the shark. Everybody else go to shore. I'll fight it by myself. Yeah. You know, so he was he was not exposed to any of that stuff. His dad is like a nuclear physicist, you know, I'm like. Brainiac, yeah. like should be on like the Big Bang Theory kind of person, you know. We need to take you over to Hope and Healing. Then your daughter, she used to work there and still works there or something. It's like let's go do one of those brain maps they do. Let's just map your brain and let's compare it to <laughs> other people's brains and let's see what they find out. Yeah, I'd be scared. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't know that I want to. Know. I'm not letting anybody get in my head. Yeah. I don't know that I would want to know. What's yeah. How did you get out of your fight? Okay, so <clears throat> one of my buddies. Um, and I don't want to say his name, but anyway, yeah, yeah. he's very nice. And he's not, by any stretch of imagination, a fighter. Doesn't want to fight. Doesn't yeah. have nothing to do with that. So we go as a group, you know, yeah. and everybody's hanging out. And at some point, he's got to go pee. And so he's like, I'm going to go pee. I'm like, all right. And so he goes. And then uh, some of my buddies, they go to get drinks. I'm sitting around myself. And I go, you know what? I think I'll go pee too, you know, because once it gets in your head, you're like, you know, I could probably pee too. Yeah. So anyway, so when you go in there, there's a pool room, and then you take a left. There's a little hallway, and there's two bathroom doors there for the men's. Okay, so the first one's not working. you got to go to the back one. And of course, I don't know this at the time. I mean, I know where it's set up. I know where the back, I don't know the ones out of order. It's just one. So I'm fully expecting just to go down there, and when he gets done peeing, I'm going to go pee. There's no yeah. emotional involvement. There's no sure. expectation of a fight. There's yeah. nothing going on. When I come around the corner, there's a, there's a big black guy and a white guy. And they are bowed up on him, you know. And, like, there's been no discussion of anything. There's been no talk. We have not – we did not know they were in the bar. A hundred percent, I know that he didn't start this fight. A hundred percent. So I go in there, and I get angled right beside him. And, like, they're fixing to hit him. He's fixing to defend himself. It's like that for – and then they start kind of backing down, and he doesn't understand why because he doesn't know that I've come in behind him. So I get an angle so that if one of them tries to swing, that I can block it and fight him. And, uh, but I have not said anything because I'm trying to assess the situation and I just, but I could tell that they're posturing on him real bad and stuff. And so I have no idea why, but I do know that he's hundred percent innocent because mm. it's just not, that ain't his deal. And they're telling him, you just go on, go on. Well, they didn't want him to, they were going to let him go to the bathroom and stuff. Cause they're just, and they're, they're not going to the bathroom. There's nobody in the bathroom. They're just in their hallway for whatever reason they're in the hallway. And they're telling him like, he can't be in the hallway. And so, anyways, he goes, um, um, something about my crocodile D hat. I've got my cowboy hat on. And I don't care about that. But I'm like, okay, you're an idiot because that's Australia. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he's got, like, crocodile teeth, literally. And that's, like, a reference from the 80s. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, bro. <laughs> you got to do better than that. That's not it. Yeah, I'm like. Okay, but so, as they go, ski, ski. And when they do that, they all come running. That's their call sign now. And I had, I knew that like when they would, I'd seen them in there before and like say there's a pretty girl, they'll do that. 
and they'll surround her so that like just they and then everybody's kind of scared to go around them or whatever and they go in there and talk and they get around there and that's their thing i did not know that was a trigger word for cowboys but i lost my mind because he's calling for help and i said you can't get enough of them in here you cannot fit enough of them in this hallway to make a difference what did he say he said oh you don't think i can get enough i said no you can't i said but i'm gonna go pee you gather them up I go in the bathroom while I sit. You're fully expecting you're going to come out and fight? Yeah, so I can hear them, and they gathered up in the hallway there while I'm peeing. What are you thinking at that point? I think I'm going to kill them all. So I, I constantly have a knife on me, and I, it's easy access. It takes me one second. You're having a, so I, when I So when I've got a knife in each hand, when I open the door, and I'm like, when you try this, I'm going to cut you from one side of this. I'm going to cut my way out of this hallway. As soon as I come out, the other ones recognize me. And they left him there by itself in the hallway with me. And I was like, now what are you going to do? I told you you don't have enough. Even yours know you ain't got enough. And so then he goes and he backs down. So then I just go back to the bar and everything's fine. He comes up again. And he's so he, he said, come down here and talk to me. So I go down to the pool, pool area with him. And he goes, man, the only reason this ain't going down, man, is they told me you was a cop. A cop, a lawyer or something. I said, who told you that? He said, my friends, my boys. And I'm like. Well, then they're all idiots. I said, because you look at me and you think, I'm a cop. I'm a lawyer. I said, don't let that stop you, buddy. That's good. So anyway, at this point, now I'm mad. And the people recognize I'm mad. So they decided to throw him out and ban him from the bar. So they took him out. And then all his boys left him there. And they made no effort to come down. When he came down the second time I went down the floor room, they fully seen it going on. They all stayed back other business i mean does that get your adrenaline pumping oh yeah not yeah. the fighting i didn't care about the fighting i was completely emotionally involved i was completely cool with fighting but when you yell ski a complete adrenaline jump. if you stuck a, bob, a hot wire up my butt it wouldn't have got a better reaction when's the last time you've been in a fight was it it was in this building wasn't it <laughs> oh that was a long time ago that and that was what i'm saying has it been that long no. somebody somebody tried to hit you didn't they here, whenever you had the, they had MMA here, Chris, uh, in this building. It was Hoist Gracie was in town, right? Yeah, Hoist was. And they had fights here. Uh, like the Gages owned it at the time and like rented it out. They put a ring, I don't know, an octagon in yeah. where the banquet yeah. hall is now. Yeah. Uh, and sold yeah. the sold it out. And then someone know. jumped you, right? Yeah. Is that the but, last fight you've been in? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just cannot believe at this point that people uh, would mess with you. But I guess they don't always know. Well, it's the same with this time and that particular time of those two times you're talking about. They both those guys are on drugs and okay. messed up and making bad decisions in life. And I okay. think I think you know that's and that's what his buddies come over and told me later. Like, man, he's on dope. He's, he's just not doped here. up. He's yeah. just like he's doped up, man. He's not normally like this. He's doped up. And the same thing, the the guy that that jumped me back there tried to jump me. He said it's Brandon Emler. We're actually buddies. Like I can talk to him now all the time. He just. Some of his other buddies were like, "Man, if you don't go fight Max, you're a, you know you're, you ain't got no balls, or whatever." Blah, blah blah. And they gave him a bunch of drugs, you know. It's not a good idea. It's a bad. It's just bad decisions. You know what I mean? Like he had no. If he's sober, we're good. We're great. Yeah. Like we get we go hunting, we go riding. Um, his daddy called him. Or uh, we had just been riding, and he got hurt, and he's been in a coma. And he was getting you know nearly killed, and he's like not not Miller. So, so we talk about it. I call him, talk to his dad probably every other week. Like how how's it going? What's going on? I just talked to him like two months ago. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, it's like checking on. I've got a. I almost had a, his horse. His dad's horse that hurt him so bad. I had it sold. 
and they're trying to get it down there. So, and I say, I don't hold that against him. See, I'm not emotionally involved in that because I understand, like, he's not mad at me. He got manipulated by some friends. They put him on drugs. You know, so. So, so again, that's just dr- don't do drugs and start buying. <laughs> don't do drugs. Thank you for that message. Right. That's what, we got to get that out, man. Yeah. That's I mean, the, it's going to make you do bad decisions. It's going to make you, yeah, absolutely. You're exactly you know, right. And, I, and you know what? And if, if the next time I see that particular guy, because I will remember him, if he comes up and he goes, man, I was, I was high. That was a dumb thing to do. I'm instantly over it. Hmm. Like I would not ever care again. Hmm. I'd buy him a beer, whatever he wants. Yeah. And I, I seriously, I don't drink. I've never drank a beer in my life. Um, I've drank some alcohol a couple times. It's not for me. It's not the thing I want to do. But I buy more beers for people than anybody you know that does not drink. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if people are like in a bad mood, we're like, let me let me buy you all a beer and I'll just knock it off. You know, like, huh? like I'm I'm that guy. I'm like you know, I'll just. Like, Have I, you always been that way, or is this just getting older in age? Um, having kids more drinking. so more so when it's older. You know, it's like yeah. I, I think everybody. I'd like to rather see. Say like my buddy. Uh, that works for me. He got in a fight, a scrap. I see. I can't even call them a fight because like they just grab each other and fall down. Yeah, yeah. And like slap each other while they're laying on the ground. But anyway, and like so, it's my buddy. He gets in a fight. Is his fault? Is it? You know, I'm not going to take up for him because it's his fault. You know, he asked for it. He got it. He's holding his own. Neither one of them hurt each other. And like I'm laughing. Like they get home react to everybody else you know i'm like oh my god y'all are stupid You're like neither one of y'all can fight you know what i mean because like if you once you like if you see real people that can really fight yeah it ain't them you know what i mean and then like so the next night we were down there and two girls get in a fight and they're like grab each other's hair jerk each other off the bar stool. they're falling like at my feet and i'm like i'm just <laughs> i just watch them I'm like why are y'all doing that you know so yeah i don't you know, if somebody yeah. was really hurting each other and being efficient, I would stop it. Sure. If you just want to pull each other's hair out over nothing, yeah, you, I'm just going to let you get a full regret the next day when your head's sore. So many know? people, I think, are living up to here right now. It feels like people are, uh, there's a lot of hostility in the world. You know, you see now, like, people fighting at games, like sporting events, like, wow. more than ever. You know, fans is what I'm talking about, you know, and it's like, I think that people are just so anxious and so stressed that it's like, yeah, some of the stuff that we're fighting over is, it's not even really about that thing. It's just like, you triggered me because of all the stuff I'm already living with back here. And it's like, you didn't really even do anything, but it was just enough to send me over the edge. And it's like, yeah, it's, you're seeing a lot of that. I think, I feel like more than. See, like after I calmed down now, I remember, see, I grew up in a town in Brownsville, Tennessee, and I would go into the bathroom and they would all gather up on you and beat you up and stuff like that. And I think, so now, like, after I had time to calm down, it's like I had a flashback to childhood of, like, like all of them wanting to gang up on me. And, I, and like, in my mind, I was like, I'll, it would have got really bad, but it would be because I, I've got so much frustration from when I was a kid of the times where I was too small, too helpless. And I'm like, okay, it's a different story this time, guys. And it's not even the same people. You know, and I think yeah. that's how people are, like you're saying. It's like they've got so much frustration built up from something that has nothing to do with it. And I thought I would have fought, like, say if they got five guys in there, I would have fought those five guys like I was in fourth grade and getting jumped in the bathroom in Brownsville, mm-hmm. Tennessee. Only now it's a full-grown man, armed, trained, been in the military, and I mean to kill you. And it would have been a bad deal. Yeah. It's well, I'm like, glad you're here. Yeah, but I'm and just not like, in prison. Right. But see, I want to get away with it. That's what people don't understand. Like, I'm completely sober. The bar owner knows I'm completely sober. I don't. And that's what people that are doing drugs and getting drinking and starting bar fights – 
the chief of police here in town trained with me. I'm friends with him. He knows I don't start no fights. I don't start no crap. I don't, I don't aggravate people. Yeah. The, the Robert owns a bar. How many times? Did, so many times people have gotten fights in there, and I broke it up and thrown them out for for him and went back. He knows that if, if a fight happens, I'm going to stop it, not be a part of it, and I'm mm. going to throw out whoever they can't throw out. I'm going to do it for them. I've done it a bunch of times for them. Mm. You know, I'm like a bouncer on not on payroll mm-hmm. for them, mm-hmm. and I'm going to not get emotionally involved and we get out. Just the other night, uh, a couple of weeks ago, guy was going to fight with with the owner Robert. He was trying to escape him out, and I stopped all that. Okay, now let's go away and y'all leave and get in your car. It's all good, you know. People need to understand. Like, you think you're just gonna go, you think you're just gonna go to a bar and you're just gonna get drunk and you're gonna fight and you're gonna have a good time. But that other guy might not have been the guy. So the best thing you can do is leave everybody alone. It's always been my philosophy. Yeah. I've never, it's, I've never in my life thought I'm gonna have to fight to survive. It's like I'm gonna have to uh, learn yeah. how to be kind. What's your last fight, Jared? Seventh grade. <laughs> yeah. Seventh grade, but you know what? And I'm not I'm not bragging on my buddy, but I think I think I'm talking about this as to the mentality of people is that he doesn't fight, doesn't train to fight. Sure, but he was going to fight them both. He could have, and most people would have, back down, walked around the corner, went thirty feet, and said, "Max, these guys are doing this to me. Come with me." Yeah, he did not. He was going to fight them by himself, and never asked for no help. So it's his his go to, and he's not near as big as either one of those guys. Sure, but he was like. I'm, I'm, he had his own honor. I'm going to fight. You're going to have to beat me up. I'm not leaving because you just because you say so. You know what I mean? So you got to respect that, you know. And then the same thing, he's an educated person. And when I said, get out of the way, I got this. And he goes down, he leaves the hallway, doesn't argue about it, and goes down by the pool tables and gets the hell out of my way. You know what I mean? And so I think that's where their thing was, even though that at that point it was two of them against just me, his thing was, I'm going to call more people. And, and so I was like, I didn't go like, well, I'm going to go call more people. I said, well, I'm going to go pee and give you time to gather them up. You know what I mean? Go and do that. See how that works out for you. You know what I mean? So, wow. so that's, that's what I, so what I'm saying is like, I think that everybody needs to, you need to try to get along. And it's, it's like, so Hayden gets in a fight over the guy. Another guy has a straw hat on. Hayden thinks he needs to have a felt hat on because straw hats are only for the summer. Hayden is correct. I see Hayden's voice. You cannot wear a cowboy hat, a straw hat in the wintertime. It's just against cowboy code and ethics. And he's like, if you're going to be a cowboy and you're going to act like a cowboy, it's the wintertime. It's below 50 degrees. You wear a felt hat. If you're going to, if, if you're going to dress like a cowboy, dress appropriately. So that's Hayden's stand on it. My stand is, is he's, yes, Hayden, he's a cowboy wannabe, but he wants to be a cowboy and not a, not a mm. druggie. He's, you know what I mean? So leave him alone. You mm. know what I mean? Maybe suggest to him politely. <laughs> hey, Can I know, give you some suggestions? Yeah. I'm from South Dakota. And from South Dakota, we live the cowboy culture. If it's below 55 degrees, you're supposed to wear a felt hat. Do you and think, then, I, do you think I can pull off a cowboy hat? Yeah. Anybody can pull off a cowboy hat. Really? Yeah, Even with my glasses? Oh, yeah. Man, all right. Oh, no. That's a classic cowboy look. You need to go and look Classic cowboy look is is exactly your haircut with a cowboy hat and glasses. Seriously? You know, absolutely. I'm gonna buy a cowboy hat. I'm gonna work. Can I buy a cowboy hat in Paragol? Can't wear skinny jeans. <laughs> you can't. Can't be cowboy it. hipster. You what kind of jeans you got? You got the, what are they? Uh, just like uh, Levi's? What's cowboy? I don't jeans? think that jeans. I mean, Wrangler is the classic. Wrangler okay. That's what people go to. Levi's. Do they sell those around here? I don't know. I mean, they do sell Wranglers, but not around here because the boot store went out of business. But you could get them in like at uh, Carter's Corner. Where can I get a cowboy hat? The cinch is like now. Cinch is real popular. Like there's other brands that are kind of past that now. 
cinch is kind of a, a that's a, a cowboy hat or jean jean cinch jeans are kind of a modern cowboy thing the classic is wranglers you know but i don't, I, I think they're uncomfortable yeah too much well uh, there's no place like i can't I, here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna call max one of these days and we're gonna go. It's not gonna work out if you call me because I'm gonna be honest with you. I wear my jeans from the buckle, and they're like stretchy Dude, jeans. Did you were buying from the buckle when I was there? Did I ever tell you I worked yeah. at the buckle? Yeah, but do you know that? No, but see, see, so th- so let's say this top half. I try to dress real cowboy stuff. Sure, but at the same time, I do want to be able to kick you in the head if I need <laughs> sure. to. Yeah, so the, that's the, what I'm so trying the to buckle do. Jeans that's what are I want, loose and they're stretchy. Yeah. And they and then and like I am kind of getting old, so like when you go to put your foot in the stirrup, if the pants are tight and you can't get your knee up high, it sucks. Yeah. So I do like loose fitting pants. I've got to get there, man. I went uh, several years ago to a mosque because uh, there's some Muslims that, here in Paragul that I built a relationship with, and I've brought them to our. Now, like, hey, come visit our church. You can hear the message that I preach, and uh, you be exposed to Christianity and at least know what it is. And it's like if you do that, I'll go to the mosque. So I did, and like, and when, before I could go in the mosque, I had to wash my feet, and I couldn't get my feet up in the little the little sink that they wanted me to wash because my jeans were too tight. So it's like I think I need to. I don't think I kick anybody in the head. Right with those jeans, so I'm gonna I'm gonna change. I'm gonna, Chris, yeah. you and me. I'll hold you to it. Yeah, whoa, whoa. you and me. We're gonna go. Well, there's nowhere to shop around here, yeah, though, I right? Feel like if I get you to stop wearing skinny jeans, I've accomplished my mission today. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> I just need to go back to the buckle, man. That's yeah. where I need to go. You still shop there? Yeah. You used to come in there, man. I remember. Do you remember Holly Brinkley? Do you remember she worked there? Anyways, I remember. Uh, I don't remember. The she was the first person to even tell me, "Hey, that's Max," and he comes in here shops. So I'd heard your name, but I couldn't. I never knew what you looked like, and I was like, "Oh, that's Max Bishop." Okay, now I got a face with the name. But I remember I worked there for like a year and a half in college, and that's whenever Affliction shirts were big. Yeah. So I, remember all that. I don't know if you remember all that. Oh yeah, so, for sure. Well, here's what I'd like to do. We end every podcast now with rapid fire questions. First time you came on here, we didn't do this. They're really easy questions. And so I'm just going to hit you with about seven questions uh, that are really um, fun and and gives us more insight into Max Bishop. So here's the first one. What is the last show or movie that you watched? Or if you don't watch, like, what's the last book or magazine you might have read? The last show that I watched intently was Suits. I've not heard of it. What is that on? Just TV? Netflix? What? Yeah, Netflix. I okay. Do you like Taylor Sheridan stuff? Like yeah. 1883 Yellowstone? I do. I Wind do. River? Yeah. Um, I do, of course. I like that stuff, but it's not very realistic. But at okay. the same time, if it was really realistic, it'd be boring and nobody would watch it. That's true. And so it is done more for the to get cowboy culture cool oh, again. Oh, yeah, man. And everybody's wanting he to has, do it. And, and like yes. it's definitely made it made it more popular so i so I, um a lot of times we're out there in the ranch they're like it's not like that in real ranch life and stuff I'm like, you guys are kind of missing the point you know yeah, what i mean yeah. you know he's superman can fly exactly but you still like superman you know what i mean it's not so you have to take with it what it is and what it's not and, yeah and, but i like it yeah, he does I good have you all. seen wind river with jimmy renner yeah yeah that's a great movie yeah. i actually thought of you whenever i watched that so uh what is your favorite band what kind of music does max bishop listen to Favorite band right well, now? I, I I don't have a guess. I don't guess I have one that's a particular favorite. Of course, Waylon Jennings is probably my all time okay. favorite. But uh, nowadays, I listen to uh, um, like uh, Ryan Bingham, Charlie Robinson, Robert Earl Keane, that kind of stuff. I've not heard of any. Is that just all country? It's not country. It's like Texas red dirt country. Okay, you heard of him, Chris? No, singer songwriter. Yeah, it was Brian Bingham. 
Who, who is out of that well, group? Well, actually, you were just talking about Taylor Sheridan. So, and Ryan Bingham is the um, cowhand that Rip doesn't get along with that was also with Beth and has got the white hat that's on the crew but doesn't really want to be on the crew. He come out of prison, you know. What would you say his name is? Ryan? Ryan, Ryan Bingham. But he's Ryan a, Bingham. But he plays – he's on Yellowstone. He's one of the actors in Yellowstone. Huh. Says he's Americana or Roots Rock. Okay. I'm going to check him out. I'm always looking for new stuff. Yeah. And, I'm uh, going to need something to listen to when I get Charlie my Rob- Charlie Robinson, Robert O'Keen. Those are uh, those are kind of classic. I listen to them a lot. Like on Pandora, you used to go like Charlie Robinson Radio or Ryan Bingham Radio. Uh, it'll just bring them on up. Play a playlist. And kind of they all come on the same stuff, I guess. But anyway, yeah, I listen to that kind of stuff. Okay. What would be your last meal? You only have one meal left Steak. to eat. I figured that would be. I'm on a carnivore. From Skinny J? I'm on a carnivore diet, so I pretty much just eat. No potatoes? Not supposed to. Occasionally, I'll eat just like a few bites of one or something. But it's supposed to be just meat. Definitely so steak no would be it. No pastas. Definitely none of that. Really? Matter of fact, I went like seven months, I guess, without eating any kind of bread or pasta. And my uh, wife and them, they wanted to go to uh, the Italian restaurant. Yeah, like, Avanzari? Yeah. I got sick. Mm. Horrible. Like, if you're not, if you haven't ate pasta or bread yeah, in yeah. a while, and you do, yeah, your body will be like, I do not want any more. It's poison. Yeah. So you're trying to get, you don't eat any grains at this point. Good for you. 100% don't do that. So like for breakfast, you see like bacon sausage type stuff, and then lunch, just some sort of deli meat or whatever. Sometimes for breakfast, I will eat oatmeal. um, Okay. Just just, like I'm not supposed to. It's not on the diet. But I think it it does help my like just, you know, guts, you know. I bet you feel a lot better. Yeah. So just. There's a big push right now for the all carnivore diet. Yeah. I don't know, but I lost like, um, initially I lost like 30 pounds. Right off. I bet. And then I started building it back up, but it's building up back in my arms and my shoulders, and it's not in my... Yeah. Are you working out at all? No. Just from being outside and just doing labor? Just working. Wow. Yeah. What are you eat? Are you eating a lot of, like, chicken and fish and stuff, too? Chicken. I don't eat a lot of fish. I, I should, probably, but I, I just... There's no good fish places, really. So, if you go eat out, you just, like, just get the... Like, just get a... Just get a steak. No sides. That right. fill you up, or you're not really trying to get filled up. Yeah, because you can eat all you want. You can eat like if you want to eat two steaks. It doesn't like it doesn't matter how much meat you want because there's no fat really. Like it's a good fat. Yeah, you know? yeah. You can eat all you eat all you want. I've seen you at Katrina's a couple times. What do you get there? Um, the I do get the habanero mango wings a lot. Okay, um, the, you got to eat a lot of them to get filled up, but it's they're hot enough you don't eat a whole bunch of them. <laughs> I've not had those. I'm actually going there today for a lunch. So yeah. I was curious what you. Yeah, that's 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 good and stuff. But uh, other than that, they'll make me a steak there too, though. Oh, will they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you cook your own steaks? Yeah, I can cook a steak, but I'm like I'm not no big top chef or nothing. But, yeah. But I'm not picky. That's sure. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like if you can't make meat, I like. Just don't overcook it, right? Yeah, I gotta eat it rare, medium rare, and just. I don't want mild globulin falling, uh, uh, getting all of my mashed potatoes. I didn't know this the other day. We got talking about steaks, and uh, I told him, he's like, how do you like your steak? And I said, I just don't want blood getting in my mashed potatoes. And he's like, that's not blood. All the blood's been drained right. out of it. It's not blood. I didn't know that. And I was like, you sure? He goes, Google it. If you don't believe me, like, check it. It's mild globulin is what it is like. If oh, only yeah. I could have remembered the word, I would have looked real smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, just knew, not blood. So I did not know that. It's okay to eat. It is. Well, what is on your nightstand right now? A 10-millimeter Glock. Makes sense. 
that's different than what's on mine. And so <laughs> I'm just making all these notes of how to become a cowboy, and I'm like, I'm it's so funny far I, away I from like, I, I always shoot a 45 long Colt revolver, but if I need one at night, mine, mine has because I did do the military thing, so it does. Have, it has the uh, flashlight built onto it. It has mm. the laser onto it. It's got the big clips. So like if you get to the point that you're actually in my house. And we're, we're going to throw the cowboy stuff out the window and we're fixing to get real. Yeah, dude, that sounds <laughs> like it. It's got the strobe light on. Like, you can strobe the the front sight and it'll just flash lights in their eyes and stuff. Yeah, you, so. After this podcast, you don't even have to lock your doors anymore. No one's going to walk in your house. Um, give us just a snapshot in your life of just like an ordinary moment that makes you really happy. Like, what's just kind of an ordinary moment? And I'm just playing time? with Cheyenne. With my, I got an 11 year old daughter and just everything. She just cracks me up all the time. Mm. So like anytime she's around her, she's uh, real witty and kind of a smart aleck. And, um, she's constantly picking on the guys that work for me. <laughs> and she rides, she's got crazy long hair. So when she's riding, it's like a flag behind her. So like everything, everything she does makes me happy. That's awesome, man. Probably, Last probably question. What's one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? What's something you're really thankful for right now? That I don't have to work for a living. I get to do, I get to play cowboy all day, and get get paid for it, and get to travel all over the country, go anywhere I want, do whatever I want. Um, if I was a billionaire, I'd do exactly the same thing. Other than I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't sell stuff to people because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to deal with the public. But the rest of everything, the the riding, the way I do, where I go, where I travel. It's all would be exactly the same. Yeah. So awesome, man. Well, Max, it's always good to get to hang out with you. We'll have to have you on again because I texted Trevor Anderson right before this and I was like, Hey, what's some stuff I should get Max talking about? And he sent me a really long text of <laughs> potential topics and we didn't cover any of them. Yeah. And so yeah. So you do not value Trevor's opinion. <laughs> that's that's the big takeaway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my takeaway. Yeah. Like I'm gonna ask you, but I really don't know yeah. what you say. <laughs> The question is, Max, yeah. have you seen the clip where Trevor put Jared into a headlock on stage on a Sunday morning? Oh, that's you, right. You I sent that to, to you, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I brought him Trevor. up there. He he leaned into that way too much. <laughs> and so that was – we didn't plan it. And I just told him, I was like, hey, I just want you to put me in a choke code, nothing crazy. Like, obviously, don't choke me out. I'm just going to try to use this sermon illustration. And I was going to be standing up, just kind of bend down a little bit because I'm taller than him and just let him kind of, kind of you know, kneel down a little bit. And uh, he came on stage. And, you know, he's a pretty quiet guy. And it's in front of all these people, and he's like, okay, I'm going to need you to sit down. He took charge. He Dude, he did. And I was like, this was not a part of the plan. And then he just, like, threw his legs around me, put me in a hold, and then leaned back, didn't he? Like, yep. he took me down. And it just, like, happened in front of everybody. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, tapping off. That's good. That's good. Thank you very much, Trevor. I will not bring you back up here again for an illustration. So, he's a good guy. Oh, yeah. Next time, we'll use some of his questions. Yeah, he's he's awesome and stuff. Um, And like you said, I'm dating Michaela, like, you know, her dad was like my dad, second dad, you know, and so. Yeah, he was a kickboxer. World champion kickboxer. And then Trevor. Was like, Do you know that? Trevor's like a son to me, so it's kind of like. That's cool. It's kind of like my son's dating my little sister. <laughs> I, don't I don't know about that. They're, 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 great, they're great, man. Yeah, they, they literally sit on the front row with me every single Sunday. They're the only people that will usually are brave enough to sit on the front row and, uh, I can always count. He actually beats me to that spot, and, and Michaela, and I'll come around, and there they are. It makes me really happy to, to, to see them there. So I taught a seminar one time in Wisconsin, and her dad was there. And uh, he taught the striking part of it, and I started to talk the grappling part. And there was a, co- a college wrestling coach there that was just causing drama with all the karate people and stuff. And he was, he was a very talented wrestler. And so me and him ended up getting in a fight. 
and uh, and he was very good at wrestling. And at some point, I got his neck in a neck crank, and I was going to break his neck because I had got mad because he's good enough that you had to try really hard. Mm. And so anyway, I had him caught, and I was just about to break his neck because I was that mad. And Mister Smothers, as calm as he could be, goes, "It'll be really bad for business." <laughs> and so I didn't break his neck. But it was like he the voice of reason. Yeah, he didn't get yeah. mad. He didn't get calm. He didn't say like that's the wrong thing, dude. He didn't say like the guy doesn't deserve. It. He just goes, "That'll be really bad for business." I was like, you're may- maybe you're right. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> he was he he kept me calm a lot of times doing stuff. But he, yeah. one time, I could tell you, I could tell you stories of Mister Smothers forever and stuff uh, for sure. But so we were in there. Um, I was one of his senior guys, and another guy named Craig was one of his senior guys. And this guy, so Dan and Asanto's guy that taught Bruce Lee how to do like nunchucks and stuff, and was one of Bruce Lee's top students. Kind of took over Bruce Lee stuff after he did. So that was my coach, Mr. Smothers' coach, doing the Filipino martial arts. And so Dan and Asanto had given Mr. Smothers. Like, and Mr. Smothers is Michaela's uh, dad. Dad, yeah. Okay. Yes. Super. I got so much respect for him. Super good guy. But anyway, so he's got all these swords and stuff from the Philippines on the front of window of his studio in Jonesboro. You don't touch them. For one, they're Mr. Smothers. For two, they're real live blades. And then Mr. Dan and Asano give them to him. You know what I mean? And like some, and La Costa and all these Filipino masters. And so they're like, they're, they're sacred. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they're this, his stuff. You know what I mean? You don't touch his stuff. Yeah. And so this guy comes in and uh, Mr. Smothers is on the phone in his office. And me and Craig are just training out there and kind of doing some private lessons with him. And he went in there and talked on the phone. And so Craig is super, super nice and super nice, very talented fighter and really good, but he's very, so he's like, you can't touch those things. You can't, you can't have that. And he starts winging these swords that like kind of in Craig's face a little bit. And they got a stick called ironwood and they like, it's like a really hard thing. So anyway, I I hit this guy in the thigh. Like I didn't even talk to him. Craig was talking to him, trying to be the voice of reason. So I had nothing to say to him. So anyway, so it breaks his thigh, you know, and, uh, and so anyway, I drug him out in the parking lot, and we took the you know to put, took his sword, put the swords. Craig put the swords back. I, I disarmed him, and and uh, anyways, he goes in there and tells Mr. Smothers, he's like, Mr. Brothers, Mr. Brothers, um, you know this guy coming there. He he had your swords, and he's swinging your swords around, and um, Max like hit him in the leg with a, and broke his leg, and he he's got him in the parking lot, and he goes, okay, but well, I'm on the phone. <laughs> It's that calm. Like, don't interrupt me for stupid stuff, you know. Like it didn't matter. What a different world. Yeah, he man. was he did like three or four tours in long range reconnaissance patrol in Vietnam and like he's hard. Does he live around here? He lives in St. Louis now. Okay. He was in Jonesboro forever. Man. But yeah, he's super hardcore. Super hardcore. Like not <laughs> Yeah, Trevor's taught me a little bit. I'm really nice compared to Mr. Mothers. I'm wow. you, he's not, not well, I uh yeah, well, we're, we're going to bring you back next time. Let's bring Trevor on, and y'all just yeah. tell stories. Yeah. Trevor, Trevor is like I told him. He came up to me yesterday, and he was uh, he said, "Hey, man, when we're going to get some people together the, in the church because we've got all these. I don't know if you know. I don't know if I even showed you these really nice mats that we bought right before COVID shut everything down, and they've never been rode on." Mm. and they're upstairs, uh, and we paid lots of money for them. And so he's like, when are we going to pull those down and get some guys in the church to come? And so yesterday I said, I was like, yeah, we need to like set a date, make it happen, we'll advertise it. And I said, we'll bring Max in. And he's like, ah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and he was like, I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, Max, uh, at the point when you're like, okay, I need to tap, 
I'm hurting. He's like, no, you got more in you. And he's going to keep it just a little bit longer. I was like, yeah. he's you act like he's done he's, that to you. He's forgetting that's why he's tough. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm right. He's wrong. <laughs> and he was a good fighter from what I understand. Right. Right. Never had a chance to watch him. Right. Because I didn't give him any choice but be a good fighter. Yeah. He gave me his shirt, the American Brawler. Yeah. Sometimes I wear it around and just pretend like I'm Trevor, you know. So He would be more successful if he was meaner. He's not very mean. No. He's very kind. Very. He's a loyal a loyal friend and yes, it's an overall good but, dude. But it's but there's a time to be that, and that's that's how you should be 99 percent of the time. But that one percent, when you get in the octagon, yeah, yeah, he's he holds back a little bit. He's reserved because he really doesn't want. He wants to win. He doesn't want to hurt anybody that bad. You yeah. got you got to. But that again, that's genetics and stuff. He's just he's just a kinder, gentler, better person. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good dude. Well, yeah. Max, thanks so much for coming on, hanging out, especially on short notice. Loved watching the video. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to go watch it, for those of you that are still listening, go and, and check it out. What would you say? Google Cowboy Saves Calf. Is that it? Yeah, Frozen, Frozen Pond. I think it's just Cowboy Saves okay. Calf from Frozen Pond or something. Yeah. A bunch of stuff comes up. It's great. Well, always enjoy hanging out with you. Thanks, man. You bet, man. All right. Max has left the building. With uh, no getting injured or anything like that that's good he never turned off his truck he didn't did you notice that i did he left it running it'd uh, be a brave man to steal his truck <laughs> that's what that's what i almost wanted if he was just like giving someone like i dare you <laughs> to take my truck always enjoy hanging out with uh max um max thanks so much for making space to be here i know you're a busy guy but really enjoyed Getting a chance to uh, catch up with you. Well done again on being a good neighbor, saving that calf. Impressive with a with like a broken shoulder. The, t- basically. the bicep is just gone. <laughs> yeah. And still, so just pushing the pain, man. That's all you got. It's just pain, just pain. Uh, hey, if you're still listening, thanks so much for tuning in. If you've not already done so, please check us out on different social media platforms. We are on Facebook and Instagram primarily. And if you've not done this, uh, whatever platform you're listening on, whether it be Spotify, uh, Apple, or something else, please take just 15 seconds right now and go and give us a five-star rating that helps people to find us more quickly and learn about the really incredible people that are living right here in Paragold. Uh, With that, thanks so much for listening. Until next time.